What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. Amron, and today I was supposed to go over my top 12 for Dynasty rookie drafts. The problem is, is that I'm doing a Patreon update over the weekend where I'm going to update my top 250, my positional tiers, and most importantly, my rookie rankings. After that, I'm not touching them until after the NFL draft, so I decided it'd be better to make that video where I tell you guys about my top 12 rookies after that update. The problem is I didn't come to that realization until this morning around like 10 a.m., 11 a.m. So I was kind of, you know, in a bit of a, a whirlwind here, and I was given a lifeline by a very visually appealing thumbnail, a really good-looking thumbnail from the channel, BDGE Media, Nick Colano. He makes great stuff over there. And I knew once I saw the thumbnail, it was going to be an extension of a tweet he put out the other day. And he posed the question to the timeline, and it was very thought-provoking. As you can see, 137 replies. Everybody was kind of chiming in, giving their thoughts. And he said, do you have any players on your dynasty teams that you consider untradeable? I like to build my dynasty teams around a core of three to four guys that I basically won't trade at any price. Regardless of offers I get, I want them on my team come week one of that year. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable opinion to have, and I think it's a fine take. I just want to give my perspective. Personally, the way that I play is a little differently than that. I believe that everybody on my roster is available at the right price. Now, I know Nick isn't going to be too pleased when if he ever catches wind of this video because he was very firm on if, you know, he doesn't want to hear people saying, well, I would trade Jonathan Taylor for six picks. And that's completely fine. He might call me a corny ass nerd for this. I'm down here in my basement talking about fantasy football, and I've seen almost every episode of Naruto. So he probably wouldn't be too wrong in saying that. But I wanted to come out here, give you guys my perspective. Now, before we get into that, I just want to say this is nothing. This is not a diss towards Nick. This is not me putting dirt on his name. I have nothing but the utmost respect for Nick and what he's done for this space. He is truly a pioneer in the YouTube space. You know, you have the fantasy footballers who are the first guys to get it popping on YouTube. But the first guys to do this, you know, one guy at his desk talking to a camera by his lonesome, that was Nick Colano, and that was Nick Zylak of Fantasy Football Advice. So without them, I'm not here. Nothing but respect for Nick and all of his work. He does great work. But I just kind of wanted to offer my, my opinion and just kind of my play style when it comes to Dynasty. So with that being said, make sure you get on below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Now, I also want to say that Nick is not the only one with this opinion. This seems to be a pretty prevalent topic in terms of mainstream fantasy. Uh, this is a tweet from Victoria, FFB underscore Victoria. She does great work herself, but she also has a similar opinion to this. So I don't want to single out Nick, right? Victoria says here, and this is a, a sentiment shared by a lot of the bigger names in the, I guess, fantasy Twitter space, where she says, one reason I don't love Dynasty as much as Redraft. Do you ever get to really enjoy a player? And she's quoting what she's heard on the timeline. Sell Diggs. He's not even a top 15 wide receiver. Sell Metcalf. He's getting older. He's in a bad situation. You still have Derrick Henry on your roster. What are you? New here, sell. 2023 rookie picks, buy. And the thing is that I think a lot of these people, they pretty much assume that the guys in Dynasty Twitter like me, Bean Counter, Charles Chill Fantasy, uh, Analytics of Dynasty, Akash, Dynasty IM, whoever you want to list. A lot of us do have takes on the timeline where it seems like we're pretty flippant on players and we're constantly trying to move around pieces and capitalize on profit. And I think that this sentiment here from Victoria and from Nick of 
you don't have to trade away your bad players or your good players. You can kind of just keep players. I don't think that's bad advice for more casual players. Players, you know, who might screw up their team by trading away their best players at bad prices for an infinite amount of picks and stripping their roster for no reason. I think that that advice is good for those people. Obviously, those guys in their leagues, they're clueless. They just trade to trade. And I think calling shame to those people is a good thing. But if you're sub to my channel, I'm hoping you are a sharper player or you're finding your way to become a sharper player, right? We only have 7K subscribers. And if you're watching at this point in the offseason, you got to be a pretty hardcore dynasty player. So I think when you, if you're watching videos like mine, I hope that you are a little bit sharper. And I think the message that Nick was saying in his video is good because, you know, he has a larger audience and it probably resonates with more people. But I think in the niche that I kind of operate in, I want to give my take on this. And I think that you should probably trust yourself enough to make good trades and not limit yourself to these players are off limits. They're my foundational players. I'm not going to move them. If you're limiting the amount of moves that you can make and you really want to keep things intact on your team, you're kind of playing dynasty with the bumpers on. I think, you know, keeping a player because he's your pet player or you really like him or you really believe in him and you're going to blindly cling to that player regardless of market value, maybe that's a more fun way to play and that's fine, but I don't think it's more profitable. And I think being a profitable dynasty player and winning more leagues, in my opinion, is a little bit more fun to me at least. And I think the people that are on this channel can kind of agree with that. So the reason why personally I don't enact a no trade clause, Nick said that where he has certain players where he'll have, he'll have a no trade clause on, he's not listening to offers on them. The way that I play, my entire strategy in terms of trading and roster management is strictly dependent on the market. Everything is at cost. And a really good example of this is by looking at Cortland Sutton. And he's a very interesting case study where there was a point in the offseason where he was the wide receiver 48 on keep trade cut. Since then, his situation has changed after the Russell Wilson trade and deservedly so. The question becomes though, we all believe that with Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton's value changed, or it changed. The thing is, is by how much? Personally, after the Russ trade, I have him as wide receiver 36. So I moved him up, but I'm not on par with market. Market has him at wide receiver 26. That right where it's at now, or I don't know how to point at it, but you, you see it right where it's at now, that big peak right there. He's now at wide receiver 26. There's a big discrepancy there between how I value Sutton and how the market values Sutton. Even though I was high on Cortland Sutton just three months ago and liked him as a buy low. So inherently, even if I like Cortland Sutton and viewed him as a value pre-Russell Wilson trade, now that we have new info, we can then decide if a player is a buy, sell, or hold based on the discrepancy between his market value and how you personally have that player ranked. And I think that this kind of idea and strategy comes down to the type of player you are. And I think the way Victoria played and the way Nick Colano plays, I think that that's actually a fine strategy as well of just keeping your good players. And I think that that's probably, you know, if you're not going to be active in trades, it's probably a fine way to play the game. But I think the sharpest dynasty players are always operating in the eyes of the market first and foremost, and paraphrasing a guy, you know, the Michael Scott, Wayne Gretzky quote of Michael Lou, Bruce Lee, stay water. And you always need to adjust to new information 
and capitalize on that discrepancy between market value and the way that you personally value a player. And in the case of Cortland Sutton, this does not mean sell him for any first round pick and accumulate picks because of that. When we say trading a player away for around the first, it means that's just his value on the market about a first, but you can substitute that first for a player that is of similar value. The, the whole overarching idea of trading for me personally is you are trading away your overvalued players for undervalued players plus liquidity. I think long-term that's a very winner. That's a very winning strategy. And I think a move that I would make in terms of micro analysis on Cortland Sutton is this one right here. And this is on keep trade cut where it's a crowdsource trade calculator. And I personally hate the 108 to 110 range in this class. That's the picket spiller corral range. Maybe Olave. It's not pretty. If, if I'm in this draft class, I want to be in the top five. I want access to Brees Hall, Malik Willis, Traylon Burks, Drake London, and Garrett Wilson. And if not them, I want to be at the 112, 201, 202, and just get whoever falls to me from that cluster of Olave, Corral, Spiller, Pickett, George Pickens, Sky Moore, et cetera, et cetera. So in this trade, I personally have Michael Thomas ahead of Cortland Sun, but the market doesn't. So I believe Cortland Sutton is overvalued. I believe Michael Thomas is undervalued. And to close that gap, I can then put my rookie pick from 108 to the 102. And that brings me from that picket spiller range to a locked in Malik Willis, Brees Hall, while not really surrendering any fantasy points at wide receiver. And I think that's the most important part. Again, I'm not saying trade Cortland Sutton away for a first and a second. I'm trading, trade him away. I'm saying trade him away for replacement fantasy points and net the profit. And when we look at Cortland Sutton and we look at Michael Thomas on underdog ADP, they are literally back-to-back at wide receiver 24 and wide receiver 25. You are scoring the same points in 2022 with either of those wide receivers while also turning a Chris Olave-type asset who's, you know, a flippant wide receiver. Could be Rashad Bateman in a year. Could be Rondell Moore in a year. Of course, he could explode. But then you're, you're, you're flipping that type of asset into Malik Willis or Brees Hall at that 102. And that's such a massive advantage to have players in that tier that can then accrue more value than Cortland Sutton ever could. And I think this is far different from what the mainstream guys are saying. We're not saying perpetually sell these players for a mountain of picks and just, you know, roster bait to 17, 2023 first. None of us are saying that. We are saying be cognizant of the market. You can replace fantasy points and then net the profit in doing so. And by the way, this little screenshot from Underdog, I'm telling you the best way I think one of the best edges overall in Dynasty right now is drafting on Underdog. I'm not just saying that because I love Underdog and they're my sponsor. You can look on there. I have a a red shield. I've done a thousand drafts. I am a veteran of Underdog. The thing is, though, right now, at this point in the offseason, we are all operating in such a zoomed out window of, you know, three plus years and thinking of players in the most macro view possible. If you hop into best ball drafts, you get a very micro view of these players. What are they going to do for me in 2022? And that's such a valuable piece of information of realizing what players are going to give you in the near term. And you can kind of make value gaps where you see Corlin Sun and Michael Thomas are going to give you the same amount of fantasy points in 2022. You can then profit from that. And if you hop on underdog, they do. They have a super flex tournament right now, which is really great for all of us dynasty guys out there that love super flex. Go there. The link is going to be in the description. It'll be down below in the comments. You hop on there, use my promo code Ron when you deposit 10 or more dollars and they'll match your deposit up to $100. So if you deposit $20, they'll put another 20 in your account and you'll have $40 total. So with that being said, make sure you check out 
Underdog Fantasy. Use promo code RON when you deposit. They will match your de- they will match your deposit up to one hundred dollars. Now, moving on from there, I wanted to also address that trading doesn't really need to be associated with rebuilding. Trading isn't just to acquire picks and accumulate value. Again, when we say JT should be traded away at the price of four first, that doesn't mean literally. You can trade overvalued players for undervalued ones, and that is even encouraged. If you want to do one player for one overvalued player for two undervalued players, that's encouraged. That's a really good move. And genuinely, on the front of trading players away for mountain of picks, I think it's a little bit of a straw man argument when people say the timeline is just saying trade all of your good players for 2023 picks. How often have you ever seen one singular player traded away for three or more picks on the other side and no other? So one player, three picks on the other side. Almost never. I've personally almost never seen that ever happen. Very rarely am I seeing a manager fork over three or more first for a Jamar Chase straight up. And I think a guy like Jamar Chase is one of those core foundational pieces that most people would consider on their roster as untradeable, you know, in the eyes of the market as a top five to 10 startup pick. So let's talk about a player in that high caliber in terms of Jonathan Taylor. And let's assume you're trading away Jonathan Taylor because he's the 105. Let's say you drafted him two years ago in your rookie draft. He's accrued all of this value. And now you're sitting here in the offseason of 2022. And you personally have him at the 112 in a startup. You believe you'd rather have Justin Jefferson, the quarterbacks. You don't want a rapidly decreasing asset in a running back on your team because Jonathan Taylor right now is a first-round startup pick, but so was Christian McCaffrey last year. So was Saquon Barkley last year, if you go the year before that. And all of those years, you have Todd Gurley's of the world, David Johnson's of the world, Le'Veon Bell's of the world, all in the first round of startup drafts. All of these running backs are at the top and they steadily decrease. So the way to move off from him if you believe that he's now being overvalued as a running back isn't to send a message in your league group chat your sleeper group chat and ask for for 2023 first everyone's going to kind of laugh at you at that point but what you can do is you can look to replace his production through a christian mccaffrey somebody that nick actually mentioned as a must hold and i actually agree with him mccaffrey is somebody i believe is a must buy right now i'm trying to buy him everywhere and if i have him i'm not selling him because his market price doesn't line up with where I have him. I have him as like a early second. The market has him as like an early third. So until that matches up, he's not moving off my team. And I think that if you have players you believe are buys and they're on your team, those are guys that are fine to hold. But if next week it came out that Christian McCaffrey in the market size is the 108, like let's say we're three weeks into the season, he's putting up 30 points per game and he's now the 105 in Superflex startup leagues then you look to sell. You have to stay water with these. And as the prices change, depending on how you view the player, you could then can buy, hold, or sell. Now back to JT, you can replicate his production through McCaffrey. And I love a deal like this because you can go out there, replicate McCaffrey's RB1 production while also closing the gap with swings at gaining more value while producing the same. You don't hurt your 2022 odds of winning a championship at all by trading for McCaffrey. If you look at it, on the underdog ADP, JT's RB1, McCaffrey's probably RB3. And I think if you asked most people, if they both played 17 games, I think McCaffrey would probably score more points than Jonathan Taylor. And I don't think that's a hot take at all. So you can score the same amount of fantasy points while also preserving as much roster value and trade value as possible. Here in this example, you can trade away Jonathan Taylor in a random 23 second 
and you can get McCaffrey to replicate his production. You can get the 102, which is, you know, Brees Hall or Malik Willis, players that can accrue a ton of value, guys who are valued around third round startup price. But as we saw last year, if Malik Willis goes in like the top 12 of the NFL draft and he doesn't play that well, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence haven't lost any value at all. And if he's Brees Hall, he could go next year. He'd go from a third round startup pick this year to an early second like Javante Williams is and Najee Harris is right now. So there's a lot of value to be gained there on players that are much younger, on players that are ascending, where Jonathan Taylor is staying at the top and he is only declining from there. And in this trade, you're also getting Hollywood Brown as just an extra wide receiver two cherry on top that could give you a top 15 season. So when you make a trade like this, you're actually trading away Jonathan Taylor and you're giving yourself better odds to win in the near term. Now, again, these deals in theory are never trade away player X for a boatload of picks like a lot of these people lead on on Twitter. And if you want to shit on keep trade cut and say this trade isn't real or plausible, whatever, this is the best public trade calculator that I have at my disposable at my disposal. If you have a different recommendation, let me know. But I don't think that that is that crazy. Then I have two last points I kind of want to drive home on the front of trading. And the first one is that I don't think that you'll ever have too many trades. I, I don't think it's a good idea to cap yourself at 10, 20 trades. If you're trading overvalued players for undervalued players, I know I've said that like a million times, but if you're trading overvalued players for undervalued players in your mind at market price with sound process, you're going to win more trades in the long run and profit because of it. The guy that makes the most trades in leagues that I'm in are usually one of the better players. They're obviously not the guys that are just accumulating picks and picks and picks into perpetuity and just rebuilding. I've honestly never even really ran into a guy like that. Maybe you've ran into a guy like that where they're just making random trades all the time and they're just piling picks. And that's kind of the label that they put on guys like me who are down to be pretty fluid in terms of the market. I've never been that guy. I've never really seen a guy like that. And if he is, he's probably not going to be in your dynasty league for too, too long. But the guy who is making a ton of moves and smart moves and good moves, uh, accumulating liquidity while also not really forfeiting a ton of fantasy points on the front end, they're usually the ones that are building the juggernauts of your team. You don't build juggernauts three-time championships in your leagues by just sitting on your hands and not doing anything. Now, obviously... There is a point of diminishing returns. If you are that juggernaut team, you now have two championships. At that point, if it's broke, don't fix it. There's no reason to make a million trades if you are perpetually just dominating a league. But that's like the top 100th percentile of dynasty teams. And another thing I wanted to drive home was it's never a bad thing to trade for picks or have an abundance of picks. And a analyst I respect really much, Cooper, He's in the Bulletproof Discord over there with DFB Encounter. And this is going to cover my face a little bit. It's whatever. This is a really good kind of mini thread that he made in the summer of 2021, where he said, rookie picks only bust if you use them. Stop worrying about their hit rate. If you have, say, nine rookie first, you don't need to use them all. So if you trade away Jonathan Taylor for two firsts and a, a player you like, you don't have to hit on one of those picks to then justify it, you can even not use any of those picks. You can trade them away. And Coop then adds, trading vets for picks is a great way to be in a constant rebuild. That's what people usually say. He has that in quotes. If you traded the vets for picks, you can trade the picks for other vets. If you traded the vets for picks, you can trade the picks for other vets. Trading for rookie picks isn't a concrete decision about the direction of your roster. It's just allowing yourself more optionality. 
He then says, in a league, I traded away Jalen Hurts for the 107 at the beginning of the offseason and the 107 for DeAndre Hopkins on draft day. I couldn't have traded Hurts for DeAndre Hopkins straight up. That guy didn't need a young QB. You're just gaining liquidity, not making distinct decisions about your team. That's a really, really good way to sum that up, where every team in your league wants rookie picks. It doesn't matter if they're a contender. It doesn't matter if they are a rebuilder. I had a contending team that had no picks in 2023 or 2024. That owner who was staring down the barrel of Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey and Devontae Adams and Tom Brady and I think I said Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, you know, just a bunch of old players that are declining assets. They are looking to get a little bit younger, get a little bit of draft capital injected into their team. Everybody is in the market for rookie picks, especially during rookie fever. If you have four first round picks, you don't have to use all of them. Refusing to take multiple picks that are, again, first round picks, or not again, because I haven't mentioned this, but first round picks or just picks in general aren't players. You don't have to then use them on anybody uh, in that rookie class. They're currency. They're just tokens on your bench that you can then use for other players. You can actually trade on the clock where you get, let's say, four first round picks. You're then on the clock. All the rookie crazes there, veterans are at their absolute lowest. You can then use those rookie picks to buy really low-valued veterans like Michael Thomas, like I, I talked about earlier, where you can then trade away, you know, the 104 and the 108 for Michael Thomas, Christian McCaffrey, and like a plus. So there's a lot of different things you can do with rookie picks. And I think not wanting to acquire them is not betting on yourself to be able to make enough moves to not have to use all those rookie picks, which I think if you can't trust yourself to trade away one of the most coveted assets in all of Dynasty, I think that's on you. If you don't have time for it, I get that too. And if you just want to roster fun players and good players and have fun playing Dynasty, that's completely fun as well. And I get I'm kind of being a party pooper here, but I just wanted to give my perspective on all of this. Now, the last thing that Nick said, and I actually think that was a, a really, really good message. And it's the one part that I actually really agree with him on keeping stacks intact so he talked about uh, let me get this off my face geez he talked about jamar chase and joe burrow as players that he wouldn't be trading for anything because they are stacked they're correlated they in, they improve your odds at winning championships and i think that that is a really really good point to drive home if you have joe burrow and t higgins or you have t higgins and jamar chase and you have some kind of stack you should actually want to keep those intact and even if you can trade those away at market value here's the thing i don't even like joe burrow at market value but if i had joe burrow and i had jamar chase and if i if i even got lucky enough to have t higgins joe burrow becomes a lot more valuable to you as opposed to the market so if you have a stack set up you really shouldn't be breaking that up unless if somebody comes at you with a godfather offer you would need to overpay you would need to lay out the jewels for me to trade away Joe Burrow if I had Jamar Chase. So I think in saying that is a really good thing. Same thing if you have Dak and CeeDee Lamb. I don't even really like CeeDee Lamb, but I'd be wanting to keep those guys intact. All of that. Because when you have those stacks in place, you are betting on the same outcome from two players together. So you are just having a more correlated outcome to winning a championship if the Cowboys offense or the, the Bengals offense goes off. So I think that that's actually a really, really good point you should be keeping your stacks together, not at all costs, right? There's always a the right price where somebody's just going to throw something crazy at you. But again, I would not be trading any of those stacks away at market value. Now that's going to do it for us today, fellas. Again, I cannot say this enough. I don't think that Nick's even really going to see this video, but this is no disrespect at all to Nick. I think he does great work. He is a pioneer in the space. He was a guy that I actually reached out to before I posted my first video in the summer of 2020. Again, nothing but respect for Nick. Please don't come at him or leave him any replies or any hate from me. 
I just thought it was a really interesting topic. As you guys saw on Twitter, 137 replies. It was just something that kind of sparked something in my head. And I could just kind of wanted to give you guys my take on that and just kind of explain why I am so flippant on players that I like or dislike. I never really like or dislike anybody. Uh, Matt Kelly said it the best, uh, the pod father on player profiler. He said he doesn't hate players. He hates ADPs. And that couldn't be more close to the truth. I don't, I was going to say further from the truth, but close to the truth of when I say buy a player or sell a player, it's not because I think player X is good and player Y is bad. It's because I think that player X is overvalued and player Y is undervalued. And because of that, you should be scooping up the profit every single time. So if you have your finger on the pulse of the market and you have a, you know, an internal value of how you value a player. And if, a if that's far off from the market, then you should probably be either sending out offers for that player or trying to trade away that player. So I think that I pretty much covered what I wanted to say in that video. I hope you guys enjoyed. As always, if you did, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like. We got bangers coming the entire month of April. It is 10 p.m. This is going to be a really late upload because by the time that this gets rendered and everything, it's probably gonna be like 11 p.m. So this might not even do well in the algorithm. I don't know. But I thought it was a, a, I thought it was a fun video to talk about. Again, no shade at all towards Nick. As always, I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice. I got the juice. Adam's on. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag of on. Rapper song. Singer. Suspended subpoena from Mr. Meaner.